Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, our nightly check-in with Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers, as well as a chat with Darren Dunn of Assiniboia Downs. The briefness this weekend, also big things coming to Assiniboia Downs. That's coming up on the podcast. Derek, how'd you like the weather today? Um, it was somewhere between unbearable and only slightly bearable. I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe when, uh, uh, Judy Owen from the, from CP said, look at that. And she pointed toward the scoreboard and you just saw the snow, the white snow against the black scoreboard. You went, oh, really? May 20th. But, uh, there we were. I, I, it was, it was so cold. I thought I got to count how many guys don't have sleeves on. Uh, I'll throw it to you. Not, say 95 players on the field. How many do you think did not have sleeves on? Was it just Cadwallader? Is that it? Yeah, there were there were five in total, but Tanner Cadwallader was the only guy with no sleeves, no shorts. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was Chile out there. Oh boy! Oh, so cold. when you say no shorts, what was he wearing then? Oh, pardon me, pardon me, shorts, not not long okay. pants. Everybody okay. else had had football pants or long pants like, on. He's not wearing Excuse shorts. Me, I, know I, said. I mean, what's he? Was he naked down there or what? Okay. Well, I feel like that's what you do to the rookies, right? You, that's what they would have done to uh, uh, to, to uh, Tyrell Ford today. But no, no, it was no no pants. Pardon me. Okay, good to know. Okay, so the news of the day, uh, two big signings. Let's start with Ford because he was at practice today, made his uh, bomber debut, had a couple of mini camps down in the States. And I, I, when I talked to him after the, the after the draft, he was obviously looking forward to those, but you know, understood that the team wanted him up here. He is up here. How did he look today? Uh, everything, everything looked fine, right? It, it's first day in there. It's so it's it's tough to tell, but there's there's four hours to kind of get used to everything, get your chance to show your stuff a little bit on defense, a little bit on special teams. Though, I mean, the one thing going for him, like I'm sure we've talked about, Patrice Renee, super athletic, like what super fast, right? Ran a four four two at the combine, uh, the CFL combine, which is was the fastest this year, and I think was seventh fastest in the history of the combine. So his, his other numbers were, you know, top 10 and things like the broad jump and standing vertical leap and three cone and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, as Mike O'Shea said, he's, he's an athlete on level with any American guy we would bring up. So that's a, that's a great place to start. And, and then uh, as Ford said, Hey, uh, I know this game better than any, any rookie American, right? I've been playing the Canadian game. So, so I'm familiar with it. So it's, uh, I think hopes are probably, well, at least mine. I don't want to put this on all of Bomber Nation, but my hopes are super high for the combination of Tyrell Ford and Patrice Renee. So you were asking uh, Mike O'Shea today, and he wasn't really having it too much about the the not exactly large track record of Canadians starting at quarterback mm-hmm. in the CFL. He didn't really give you too much on those answers, but that's fair. And you, you what are your thoughts on, on what a Canadian has to do to get that spot? And does that really mess with the ratio? Well, it, it will, and I've I have got gosh gosh depth charts back to 2016, and in that time, so 2016 to 2021, the Bombers had never had a, a Canadian start at cornerback or halfback, never, not even one time. There's been safety, there's of course been defensive tackle, there's been Jesse Briggs, you know, listed as a starter at linebacker, but never at cornerback. And what you see, there's some other teams that that have the opportunities to you know go Canadian at eight or nine different positions. And honestly, like something like that is exa- is the only thing that got the Saskatchewan Roughriders through last season when they had so many injuries. 
So that's the biggest one is, I mean, one, flexibility. Two, you're covered in the case that someone gets injured. Okay, well, we've had a lot of guys go down here. Hey, we can make that position Canadian, take this guy off, put this guy on, and now we're, no, now we don't have to go to our third, well, what would be a third, say, American cornerback, if that's if that's the way you want to do it in year number one. Uh, you know, it just, there's so many ways. Roster building in the Canadian Football League can be so confusing and i assume even for coaches like oh i can't believe we have to you know do this to do that that if you can do that if all of a sudden the bombers go into a situation where okay our canadians on defense could be jake thomas uh on defensive tackle uh we could go with briggs or goche and a linebacker plus we could do a cornerback now okay well hey nick devsky's out for a game that could be an american player it doesn't have to be it just allows you to put maybe a better player in a different spot in the case of injury. Other news today, Liam Dobson has signed a contract with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a two-year deal, which is important to note. Uh, he was selected third overall in last year's draft, but Derek, he was going to play in the USFL before some work visa issues came up. And so, indeed, it's, it's he's going to be here. Yeah. I, I love when these things, some of these things come along and it, you know, it sucks for the, the guy involved, but we learn that, oh, your business has to be of a certain size for you to get a work visa to go in the States if you're Canadian. And that's what, that's what got in the way of Liam Dobson. He'd signed a contract with the USFL, but it turns out the USFL didn't have enough in revenue. It's a brand new league after all to get him that visa. So he couldn't go play in the States. So his options for playing were, Okay, well, if I'm not getting burns in the NFL, wait for an NFL shot or sign with the team that drafted me. So there you go. Uh, he's with the Bombers and adds into uh, their Canadian depth on the defensive line. Or probably offensive line, excuse me. And you can never have too many good Canadian offensive linemen. We know that. Yeah, for sure. So what's been what's been happening thus far? You know, it's it's essentially uh, Desjardins was the starter. He went to... Uh, Indian, Indian, probably New England in the uh, offseason. So Jeff Gray, who's been a bomber, former Bison, been around for a while, has been at left guard. And then Chris Kolonkowski, who was on the roster for the Gray Cup, has been the sixth offensive lineman. So as Pat Newfeld has taken a couple of practice days off, Kolonkowski has been slotting in there. Liam Dobson now has the opportunity, and that, that, that is a massive dude, that Liam Dobson, uh, has the opportunity to one, get in that competition to be the sixth offensive lineman. Two, does he maybe, could he maybe push Jeff Gray? Gray has a, a significantly more experience at this point, but I mean, I mean, they thought enough of, of uh, Dobson to draft him third overall. That they must have, you know, belief that he can play really well at this level. So is there a point where he pushes Jeff Gray for that left guard spot? Does he become, you know, the lineman tight end and the sixth one you carry? It's, it's just good because. For a while, it looked like the third overall pick was just gone. And, I mean, that's a situation former bomber regimes have, have had to happen to them where you take a guy super high and, and you never get to see him because he goes down south. So looking around the uh, the CFL here, we saw in Montreal today reports from, uh, well, the, the play not reports, players said the words that uh, they wouldn't say it's a done deal, that this – CBA is going to get ratified. Chris Aki uh, stated he was disappointed with the tentative deal. Amanda Sewell was more emphatic, telling the Montreal Gazette, quote, I'm not going to waste your time on any of that CBA bleep, no comment. 
Aki was more diplomatic. Wow. So if I'm honest, no, it's not something I'm 100% satisfied with. I feel like we're giving up a lot of things that are important to the CFL. The ratio, we're giving up a lot, close quote. So he says he doesn't 100% agree with it. And uh, Mark Antoine Decoy said he finds it difficult to attack the number of Canadian players like that. I can't wait to see what happens with the vote. Nothing would surprise me. So some pretty strong quotes out of Montreal's camp, Derek. I would, I mean, this ratification has, has seemed to me to be a formality, but is it? Based on the fact that we've really only heard that from one team, I, I would think so. And then uh, what the CFLPA uh, got basically Enoch Mwamba, one of the vice presidents, uh, took his day off from practice with the Argos to go to Montreal to, to talk to the guys. Uh, he speaks both English and French, so he's a, he's a useful guy in the situation. I think because it's only one team, like we, we've heard, hey, you know what? I don't love this. I'm not in love with this thing. But the fact that we see, you know, nine teams currently at practice when it hasn't been ratified, I feel like it would be really tough for them to now, re- you know, get enough people to reject it. Because guys, I mean, yeah, I feel like once you get into camp and once you're practicing and now you've been two days focused on the season and, oh, man, now we're going. I feel like it'd be really tough to stop. You'd have to really get a groundswell. Um, there's, I get Chris Ackie, the, the Canadian linebacker talking about some stuff like they're, they're going to five and a half Canadians, essentially, if, if teams maneuver it right, which down from seven is a real blow to guys just like Ackie, who as a linebacker could boop, you're replaced by an American for 49% of your snaps. That's, I, I see where some of them are, are, are not in love with it. Amanda Sewell is an American defensive tackle at, is uh, interesting. I'd love to, I'd love to talk to him and find out what his particular beef is. But he doesn't sound. He's if he doesn't want to talk, I'm not going to try to talk to him because that's a big scary dude. Actually, fair enough. Now the other day, Chris Traveler was waived by the Miami Dolphins. I forgot to bring it up in our nightly chat that mm. night. But do you see him coming back to the CFL, or is he just going to bounce around from practice squad to practice squad in the NFL, making you know a decent living doing that? Yeah, I think guys, I think guys would be in the CFL eco, probably the NFL ecosystem, until the they're convinced that the NFL is done with them. Right? We've been watching for Liram Hirolahu was such a successful kicker up here, but he's been in the NFL ecosystem for a while. That you just until there's no chance, until you're not getting any more sniffs, I think you really just have to stick it out because. Strabler is a guy that, you know, in the right situation, you feel like he could really do some damage. He didn't get much burn with the Arizona Cardinals, but he saw some action, uh, ultimately moved on. And I, I just I think he's young enough. He's enough of an athlete that he's going to turn somebody's head. So someone's going to bring him in to a workout. Someone's going to bring him into uh, a camp this coming season in the NFL and go, you know what, I can really do some stuff with this guy. We're evolving our offense. Let's bring him in and, and see what he can do. Uh, when when he does, like when the NFL is eventually done with him, if he's interested in still playing, man, there's some CFL teams that would absolutely be all over him for what they can do, and especially in a league now that goes, hey, you know what, you can have two quarterbacks on the field at one time. Speaking of quarterbacks, we'll get you out of here on this. Cardale Jones released today by the Edmonton Elks, one of the – American higher profile guys brought in, not quite as high probably as Barrett, but still 
another Ohio State American quarterback brought in, and not even a week into training camp, he's gone. So Chris Jones well, at it again, or what? Well, and and this is the thing. I was thinking about this today as I was talking to some folks. Like when you, this is what I'm told that when you try to interview Chris Jones, he's football. It's all about football, and it's just about football on the field. But then he does these personnel things that are clearly just all about attention, right? Hey, Vince Young, come on up and play. Hey, uh, JT Barrett, Cardell Jones. I mean, Cardell Jones has been away from playing, you know, top level football for some time. I haven't Googled him in a while, but his his draft year was a, a ways back, if I'm not mistaken, 2016. So he's not totally uh, out of it, but he does these things for for clearly for attention. Just anybody who's got a huge name, cool. Anybody's got a huge arm, great. Anybody who's super fast and might be tall. Great, let's do it. You're famous. Let's go. You're. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you tried to sign Jay Cole before he signed with that Scarborough basketball team. Like, <laughs> it's just such an interesting duality in one man. Like, no, I'm about football. I don't care about my clothes. I'm gonna wear all black. But you know, I, if I could sign a Kardashian, I would. It's, it just honestly, it gives us it gives us so much to talk about in the CFL that I don't know if I love it, but I kind of love it if you know what I mean. Well, he was just signed two weeks ago, and he's now yeah. released after not playing since the, he had a stint with the D.C. Defenders of the XFL back in the start of 2020 before COVID. So there you go. That's Chris Jones. All right, Derek, I'll let you go on that. Thanks for this as always, and uh, have yourself a great weekend. Thanks, brother. You too. The Preakness Stakes being run tomorrow at Pimlico Racecourse in Baltimore, Maryland, and not a ton of juice in the race with the triple crown or the winner of the Kentucky Derby not there. Rich Strike won't be in the race, but we're going to talk about it anyway with Darren Dunn of Assiniboia Downs. Darren, how are you doing tonight? Good to be with you, Christian. Well, so let's uh, let's look to this race now. How much of the mystique is gone from this race when the horse that wins the Kentucky Derby does not run in it? Yeah, it definitely takes a little bit of uh, the edge off it for sure, Christian. And uh, it's not so uncommon in, in more recent times. Just the, the schedule of expectation for the spacing of these races doesn't really fit, if I can call it, modern racing times anymore. The elite, uh, these are three-year-olds exclusive to three-year-old horses. And the elite at that level that compete in these American Triple Crown races if I had to say a rule of thumb, you'd be looking at six weeks uh, for a break between races when these horses race. The fact that the Kentucky Derby goes, of course, the first Saturday in May, and then the Preakness is just 14 days later, two weeks later, um, it, it puts uh, a little bit of uh, maybe undue uh, challenge on the ability to uh, come off of such a huge performance and then uh, you know, regenerate that performance so quickly back. Uh, it's very common for the winner of the Kentucky Derby now to skip the Preakness and then point towards the Belmont uh, more appropriately. And and uh, it makes sense to me. I mean, the Belmont's June the 11th. Um, go back to May the 7th. That spacing's close to five weeks. I think that makes more sense. I look forward to one day the sport maybe modernizing that uh, strategy and schedule. And, uh, and though they're holding to the tradition of this spacing, uh, truthfully, if you go back to the history of the Triple Crown, uh, the spacing was all over the place. In fact, the Kentucky Derby for many years was not the first uh, jewel or leg of the Triple Crown. So I'd like to see a change. Uh, I'd like to see the horse who wins the Kentucky Derby have every opportunity to try for that Triple Crown and uh, and have the proper spacing. So uh, obviously, uh, I'm not a person who has a vote on that, but uh, my feelings are pretty strong on that, that uh, it needs to modernize. 
I was going to ask you if they need to change that, and obviously you think they do, what would be a more appropriate schedule then? Yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll say six weeks. Uh, you could probably do five weeks, but I think six weeks is absolutely um, the opportunity to have, well, for example, Christian, we go from 20 in the Kentucky Derby to nine horses in the Preakness, still a very credible field size, but from 20 down to nine, and out of the 20 that were in the Kentucky Derby, only three came over from the Kentucky Derby. So I'm not sure how that math doesn't uh, explain itself well enough to uh, to revisit this. It's long talked about in our sport for many years. It's not new. It's just time for somebody to uh, create that change. And the national interest that would come with uh, almost guaranteeing the Kentucky Derby winner uh, coming over if you had that six-week spacing, spacing would uh, would fit. And it's, it's doable, in my opinion, but uh, uh, it's not there yet. So Rich Strike, are, have you still gotten over the fact that Rich Strike won the Kentucky Derby two weeks ago with the second longest shot ever to win the race, just coming out of absolutely nowhere? No, and, and the thing that we haven't got over more than anything is, is as we discussed uh, before, the, the fact that the mother of the Kentucky Derby winner you know, came from Manitoba. That's the part that not only the second longest shot ever in the Kentucky Derby in close to 150 years and the incredible rally from off the pace and it reminded me, I said to somebody the other day, when you watch the replay, especially the overhead uh, drone shots that they had, it, oh, yeah, the it reminded me of crazy. Uh, yeah, playing Frogger in the 80s. Uh, if you know that uh, video game, uh, you know, up, down, sideways, back, forth, over. Just an incredible ride uh, by the jockey that uh, put the horse in a position to be uh, so successful late. So um, not so much a long shot, the fact that we have that tie to Manitoba, the fact that that's uh, a million to one that, Manitoba produced the mother of the Kentucky Derby winner. So that, have I got over that? Absolutely not. And that'll be pride for years to come for sure. Absolutely. And then I just wanted to ask you uh, something I was wondering about. After the race, Rich Strike was kind of going after a lead horse, trying to bite the other horse. And the rider of that horse had to almost punch Rich Strike. It was kind of weird. Is it, What was that about? And is that unusual? No, oh, totally unusual. Yeah, I, I certainly watched all of that visual. I, I, you know, I understand the role that uh, the pony horse outrider uh, was playing in trying to safely return that horse. And there's differing opinions in our sport for sure on that. And many um, justifying that. Um, it felt to me personally a little, a little aggressive, more aggressive than I would have liked to have seen. The bottom line is that the horse won the race and was ready to keep doing battle and uh, wanted to go another lap, if you will. And so, uh, you know, just his competitive nature took over and he was ready to take on all comers. And then uh, to pick the horse up with another horse so close, and uh, which is the norm, um, to relax the horse and settle the horse down. He wasn't ready to relax and settle down. And, and so then to, to, you know, carry his head so close to another horse, um, he still felt the competition was on. The race was almost still going in his mind. And, um yeah, it, uh, I could have lived without that. Uh, I, I understand the intent, but I felt uh, um, it looked a little aggressive to me. Yeah, I thought so too. Okay, so the horses in the race are a lot different from the Kentucky Derby, but what? who should we be looking out for? Well, there's a standout for sure, and it's epicenter, 6-5 to five on the morning line, if you will, which is the sort of the predictive odds going into the race. $2 uh, to win will get you back $4.40. So almost an even money, uh, double your money kind of scenario. That's the horse who finished second to Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby, ran an incredible race and did it from off the pace, not a normal style for that horse. 
There's really a lack of speed in the Preakness. Uh, there's a horse by the name of Early Voting, number five. Uh, seven to two or two dollars to win gets you back nine dollars. Looks like a catch me if you can kind of situation. Fresh horse, well rested, powerful training barn. Chad Brown, one of North America's uh, top trainers. Uh, they're going to be all in to catch early voting on the front end. Epicenter, I think, will be a lot closer, especially because of the, the reduction in field size from 20 to 9. So Epicenter, I think, will be right on his hip. And uh, it just there's no question about the skill and the, the, the talent. Epicenter, the favorite, is superior in all levels. Uh, certainly has a significant experience advantage as well. I would. It's not often I would say that uh, the favorite is the one to back. Uh, I tend to look for more of an angle of, value uh but epicenter is going to be a handful and it should win the preakness so number eight uh the favorite should win the race simplification from the rail uh post position number one was in the kentucky derby an incredible rally as well not quite to the level of rich strike as we talked about to finish fourth uh will be coming late and there's a filly in here that's a little bit of a surprise package uh it's not often that the phillies race against uh the boys if you will and in this case a horse by the name of Secret Oath uh, won the Kentucky Oaks, which is always the day before the Kentucky Derby. She did it in convincing fashion. In saying that, the uh, Phillies do win Triple Crown races. The Preakness, the Phillies won six times. The last time was all the way back in 2009 with a really exceptional filly named Rachel Alexandra. But uh, So Secret Oath is, is one, one to watch at good value that uh, could upset the, the boys, if you will, and win the race. But I think really uh, all money is going to be on number eight at the center, and I think it's going to be... Uh, uh, well-backed, and uh, I think the results are going to bear out uh, in that horse's favor. So you had the launch event for the down season yesterday, 65th season coming up. Uh, so that's got to be exciting. Obviously, it's the weather's been not good this week, but it's going to be good coming up as you get ready for launch day. How's the How are things feeling at the downs as you get ready for that opening night on the 31st? First of all, Krishna, I'm going to hold you to that weather, by the way. I'm uh, going to be phoning you back to clarify whether okay. or not that weather held. Uh, but, you know, uh, all kidding aside, uh, ton of excitement. We, we can't wait to launch. And really, since 2019, uh, the first time we've been able to launch, um, you know, with full uh, restriction-free opportunity, uh, we have a higher uh, horse inventory in the backstretch based on having to deal with the American border uh, closed the last couple of years. Our jockey colony returns to a Tier 1 talent level, uh, something that, again, uh, COVID uh, prevented uh, with travel restrictions. Um, you know, from that standpoint, uh, we can't wait to get out of the gate and, and show really our best foot forward, uh, something that's been compromised the last couple of years. Um, we did have to adjust our opening due to the weather that you, you had uh, previously talked about, so we did uh, move it eight days. Uh, we get out of the gate on May the 31st, Tuesday, 7.30. Um, we are going back to our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule that works well worldwide and on track and, uh, you know, provides other opportunities for revenue at our facility and, and allows in Manitoba lake life, uh, those who enjoy lake life, uh, the chance to do that on the weekends and, and then come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we provide an option there for entertainment that we think we will fit well. So um, large uh, field sizes, tier one jockey colony, restriction-free, though COVID cautious. Um, honestly, just can't wait. And you have something going on this weekend too, don't you? Well, we're affiliated with the Manitowabi Festival, the Indigenous Festival next door, technically at the Red River Exhibition Park, and incredible uh, opportunities there to experience uh, so many different varied events. Uh, we do play a part, though, uh, as they wrap up on Monday. Uh, we'll have uh, Indian Horse Relay Racing, a very unique set of races that'll take place here at Assiniboia Downs, and uh, five to six races that'll take place, and uh, um, and far different from thoroughbred racing for sure, though thoroughbreds will be participating. Um, horses that will have the same rider, 
but there'll be three different horses for three different laps around our track. A um, little bit of almost IndyCar racing, if you will, almost like a, a pit stop setup uh, on a track where the rider will do a lap with a horse, come in, change it out, almost like changing tires in a way, but change out the horse and, and around for another lap. Very competitive, very unique, and, and really showcases the incredible talent in the saddle and uh, the teams that uh, are coming in uh, from out of province and just an overall winner for Manitoba in so many ways and, and so pleased to be associated with Manitowabi and uh, in playing a part with that iconic festival and uh, uh, a really unique opportunity to take in some different racing on Monday afternoon. Well, Darren, good luck with that. Good luck with everything this season. Thanks as always for stopping by. Appreciate it, Christian. Anytime. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain